0: Welcome to Canada's Podcast. Brian, welcome to Canada's Podcast. Uh, um, we've seen, 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 seen you, you a couple of times in the last the last three weeks. Uh, um, uh, but, you know, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are uh, and what you're doing today, kind of thing, so that they can at least start from that perspective and then we can get on to the journey, if you like.
1: Sure, it's it's great to be chatting with you, Philip. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I've I've been a founder of uh, companies for the last boy it must must be 25 years. Time goes by fast when you're having fun, and and so I've been a software entrepreneur and uh, financial services entrepreneur. I've been a VC, ran a <laughs> excuse me successful um, venture capital fund. Um, I've um, invested uh, as an angel, so. You know, I, I love, you know, I'd say I love being an entrepreneur the most, more than being an investor. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I really care about entrepreneurs, working with entrepreneurs, their journey, their struggles. Mm-hmm. And and today, what I focus a lot of my time on is um, I run a company called Hockey Stick, which is really a fundraising platform. It's really designed to help um, small businesses and startups raise money. Um, I uh, Run Also, I'm the founder of a company called Flow Ventures, which is also in fundraising, but more specialty on the grants and loan side. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs um, every day, every week on uh, pitching. So, you know, storytelling, pitching. I wrote a book last year, and uh, I love working with entrepreneurs, hearing their pitch and helping them develop the story, um, partly because I just get to hear their story, right? It's a selfish day just to sit back and, and hear and learn. But um, you know, if, if I can be useful and help uh, an entrepreneur perfect their pitch, it just feels uh, it feels amazing to see them go from frustration and confusion. I just can't get my story straight and out there to oh, now people understand what I do, and and it's been helpful.
0: But you know, I, mean, I get what you're saying, but, but I mean, you know, you you got, a, you got a terrific education. You've bumped around finance, and obviously bumped it into institutional finance mm-hmm. which in some ways is the antithesis of entrepreneurship yes <laughs> uh, you know uh, I'm not trying to be unfair but but no. it, it really sometimes is yeah you, know, you grew up in that to a degree I think uh, what what made you move out in, into mm. the 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 other side of risk if you like mm. uh, and just Curious
1: on that? Yeah, I mean, like, I would say that I didn't really grow up in this. I mean, I, um, you know, back when I was a kid, like my my parents, mm-hmm. um, they did try running some small businesses. They had a plumbing store. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a, a like a convenience store. They had different things, and they ended up um, going into uh, different careers after. Um, but but my original career was music. I was a classically trained musician, a pianist, a composer, and so I, I really started my first company having just graduated with an arts degree, right, so mm-hmm. I was, I, like, you, you could argue that I was the least qualified person, but except every, so many entrepreneurs I know have exactly the same, you know, I have a degree in philosophy, I'm going to start a software company, and it, and I think, I think you're just as qualified to start a company as, as anybody, um, but um, you know, if I understand your question, that you know, my journey—it's really been about being on both sides of the table. So when you're when you're an a, a entrepreneur raising money, and by the way, it is absolutely frustrating and unfair, and, and we could talk about that all day. Yeah. Um, You know, there, it's it's unnecessarily unfair to have money to to run a business. Um, so I've struggled through that bit, getting turned down uh, on a credit card loan. I've been turned down for every type of financing ever invented. Um, And then running a fund and being an angel and, um, you know, seeing the other side, it kind of filled in my perspective of why it's so frustrating, because a lot of the things that frustrate entrepreneurs about financing, they're they're different things on the other side, but the other side is also frustrated. Why can't I find those great companies? And and so, you know, I I kind of still ended up on being an entrepreneur, but it's know, as a as a bit of a hybrid, that my my focus now is I'm a founder, I'm an entrepreneur, but I help other entrepreneurs um, raise money and do those things that are going to help them be successful financially. Um, you know, I think the reason is just because it's it's very broken, frustrating, difficult. Odds are stacked against people. There, you know, you can, you go into there's bias, gender bias, uh, you know, race bias. Um, uh, you know, there's so many different things that if you looked at it from the outside, you'd think, oh, well, I guess the best companies get funded. Um, and that's true some of the time, but it's not true many times.
0: Mm, I agree. But I mean, in amongst all, what, what would you say, what, what for you, what's the best thing about being an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, for me, it's, it's about creativity, right? Maybe this is where you know, having been an artist before. Um, um, you know, and, and by the way, artists are not the exclusive owners of creativity. Athletes are creative, business people are creative, um, accountants are creative, hopefully not too creative, but <laughs> the the um, you know, I, I think that for me, being an entrepreneur means um there's so many, you know, challenges and problems. You you have to be creative to solve it, right? So there's so much uncertainty, and and honestly, there are many days the uncertainty is very Stressful and challenging and difficult, um, and you worry. but you have this um, you know these creative moments where you you see this problem. Maybe it's a financial problem. I'm running out of money or a technological problem. I don't know how to build this product. and it's on day one, it's insurmountable. You have no idea how to how to fix it, and you basically convince yourself you're going to fail. But something happens on in the second day where you have this creative leap where you think, oh, well, I didn't think about this. I'm going to try something. I'm going to call this person. I'm going to pitch at this competition or I'm going to, you know, call this client to try to close a sale and and then it happens. It works. So you you almost do the impossible and that's it's addictive, right? It's you you start to see how powerful creativity is to solve problems and and I think that's the you know, the the number one the superpower of entrepreneurs um those who are able to to do it is to be creative.
0: So, yeah, I think that's fair. Well, let's move on to some sort of, let's say, challenging questions, uh, but questions about challenges. So let's move to the obvious one, was, is, you know, what's the greatest challenge you've faced to date? And, you know, how did you overcome it? I mean, not necessarily the detail, but the mindset that, that let you overcome it.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many, right. I I could, I could list so many challenges I have, you know, even at, at today's challenges, but, but, you know, if I could, <laughs> excuse me, pick one, I'd say that, you know, early in my career, like when I, you know, I mentioned I graduated with a music degree and started a software company. And I remember it was both an, an exhilarating time, but a very difficult time where I really didn't know what I was doing. I had no um, real business training and mm-hmm. I had no access to money speaking of financing, like zero. So barely a personal credit card, no bank loan, no investment. And, and I was running a a consulting company and it had to be profitable every two weeks because every two weeks was payroll. And I remember this, you know, I actually thinking back, I have no idea how how we, we did it, but um, you know, it was this insurmountable challenge and it wasn't just the money. I mean, A lot of entrepreneurs, everyone, every entrepreneur stresses out about money. I stress out about money. But back then, it was really the feeling that I just I didn't feel that I could scale up my own knowledge fast enough. Mm -hmm. So even simple things like I didn't know anything about accounting. And I remember um, learning accounting through the QuickBooks help files. So I was sitting there doing my bookkeeping so we could do payroll and pay people. And I was I had no idea what a balance sheet was. So I go to the help file. And I read up on a balance sheet and that's how I learned accounting. But it was very challenging because, you know, I felt that if I don't learn everything and learn it quickly, my business is going to fail and go to business. And um, that applied to sales and marketing and technology and, um, you know, even even what to wear at a meeting. I remember going to Ottawa, sitting down and, and pitching a government agency mm-hmm. and, and being nervous because I, I was a high music degree. I used to wear black turtlenecks all day. So the idea of like, what should I wear? How early should I show up? And, you know, these things that it just felt like an accelerated MBA.
0: Well, you know, nowadays you meet tons of entrepreneurs
1: mm-hmm.
0: funded and, and, and things like that. Um, maybe you can pass on some advice. In terms of, you know, maybe there's three things that you constantly find. Sure. That people,
1: yeah, should
0: you know, people should fix before they see you kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think the the first thing I always tell people is, you know, when people ask about advice, and I was asked recently about what's the number one piece of advice you have, and and if I only could pick one, I'd say listen to less advice, including you know, for me right now, it's, you know, entrepreneurs are magnets for advice, right? Your your parents, your spouse, your customers, your team, everyone's going to give you advice. And you somewhat have to inoculate yourself against too much advice. Otherwise, you end up with this spaghetti monster of like, you know, your, your strategy is just the combination of everyone's advice and you're trying to please everybody. And I, I'd say that, you know, you have to sort of have your own point of view. I'm not saying be so stubborn that when somebody gives you really good advice you don't listen, but I actually think that's maybe less of a problem. It's a bit of a cliche that entrepreneurs are so strong willed and they don't listen. I actually see more entrepreneurs, especially when they're funding, like pitching for VCs, uh, where they really, really want the money. They don't get the money and they get some advice, but it's very confusing advice. Um, I I just tell people uh, ignore it, right? Because not because that person wasn't smart and you shouldn't listen, but because it was a no. So if you didn't get a check and you got advice, the advice was really a no. So you put that in a you know. So I think my first thing I'd say is, you know, be comfortable with your own point of view. It's it's better that you have your own point of view and you're wrong, than you you try to focus group your point of view and and you'll never have you'll never have one. Um, the other thing I'd say is that you know there's it's something I learned that I maybe mean, I'm still learning because I, I like to multitask. Is you as a leader. And as an entrepreneur, you you can't do everything. You you have to really um, kind of decide that there's certain things and everyone's different. So you might be more of a technology leader or sales leader or a people leader or strategy leader. You have to really focus on that thing that is going to define you as a leader and not try to do a little bit of everything, right? I've certainly done that. You know, I've been guilty of that a little bit of accounting, a little bit of legal, a little bit of sales, a little bit of product, a little bit of tech, you know. And so you you going back to what I was saying is you feel you've got to learn everything and learning is great, but you know, the 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 entrepreneurship attracts generalists, but if you only do a little bit of everything, you will not be an effective leader and you won't have any focus. So, mm-hmm. you know, again going back to what I was saying, especially around pitching, when you pitch You're just going to get so many types of feedback about everything that you think, well, if I only do those 50 things, I will be good. But it's not true. Right. You just need to do the two or three things better than everybody else. And then your your website can be crappy. The name of your company can be hard to pronounce. Your revenue model can be bad. You know, all these things. Your hair could be messy. Doesn't matter as long as you do those few things really well. And, um, you know, that goes back to what I was saying about point of view.
0: You give a lot of advice, yeah. Best piece of advice that you've had that you kind of carry around in your hip pocket, there, you know,
1: you mean that I've I've received, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I remember one, um, I know you've
0: got lots of advice, but there's usually one or two gems that you you never forget, kind of thing,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, in, in general, like the first one I got early in my career, um, you know, somebody many people kept saying you just need to focus, and I it took me a long time to understand what that what that actually means um, but actually want to tell you one that that i i do carry around with me is a uh, general i won't i won't tell you who it is but um a, a well-known um very successful entrepreneur and investor um you know visited by more than 10 years ago but we we're we we're working together on something and he just said looked to me and said you know raymond you're you're just you you always have so so many intelligent things to say you're, you're like the smartest person in the room you just haven't really hit it financially. You just haven't really succeeded financially yet. And and he meant it in the most, like I think the most generous, honest thing that he just said, you know, you're so smart. Why aren't you more successful? And in in one sense, it's brutal feedback. It like hits to the core of of entrepreneur shame. And, but it was really valuable to me because it allowed me to say, do I just want to be smart or do I want to be successful? Not that those are mutually exclusive, but, you know, it allowed me to kind of say like, what am I afraid of? And, and should I just say, you know what, actually I want to be more financially successful. It is business after all. Mm -hmm. And I focused, um, on, you know, I wrote that down on my whiteboard kind of thing and, um, and it worked. So it was, it was so helpful to me. And, and maybe, you know, that's an example of one other piece of advice I give people is, um, it's, it's not the advice, it's who's giving it. And, and you know the advice I got was somebody who I, I trusted. He had a particular way of delivering it, which might be a bit uh, you know um, mm-hmm. brutal for some people. I can handle it, but I had a trusting. I knew where it was coming from. And so if if people are getting a lot of advice, you know, try to understand where that advice is coming from, if, they, if if the person is really committed to you, you know, their time, they're a mentor, they're a teacher, they're part of your team, even your spouse, maybe especially your spouse who's committed. Um, That advice means a lot, right? Other other ones, it's like theory crafting and talking and little Twitter things. You mm. can probably discard those.
0: Let's get into some more fun questions. I think that was, those
1: those are already fun questions.
0: <laughs> they're, they're fun, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that they're actually they that was, that was pretty 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 impressive. I like, I like that one, that response. Uh. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Would you be, be an artist or can you be both?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't like I would definitely not be a musician. The, the world thanks me for that decision. I, I think I was, I was like, okay, musician. Um, but um, yeah. I think I would be probably a teacher. I mean, I, I do do a lot of teaching now. And, and I, you know, both my parents um, were teachers. That's where it comes from. I, I just love that, that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um you know that kind of combination it's scary and it's also really rewarding, so mm-hmm. I think that that would be you know probably some sometime in my future I probably you know write more um I love writing mm-hmm. uh, it's also difficult and and very rewarding um yeah. but you know maybe I, I would probably write write more books and and that's kind of the way i learn um but but I have a lot of interests, right so i would i i might uh you know open a restaurant or a hotel I might uh, you know I always think in my mind I'll have other careers and 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 I'm, I probably will but it's mostly because I just interested in a lot of things um, that's definitely the best part of what I do right? I see I see thousands of entrepreneurs in a year and and so I get to be a little bit of a part of their lives and what they do without you know fully committing to it
0: what's keeping you up at night
1: yeah, like like there were in an uncertain time, right? So you know, it's we came through an uncertain time with COVID, and um, you know, I think just when it was like, "Yay, we made it, we win, back to normal," then we have lots of other issues: the economy, and and Ukraine, and and many things, and and now you know, real estate, like uh, rising real estate prices, and you know, all the standard things. But they're standard because they're things that human beings care about. So I think that there's it's um we're entering or we're continuing to be in an uncertain time and you know i have lived through different you know cycles of uncertainty and uh everyone's different right so if if this this is if there's going to be a recession or a downturn it's not going to feel like any others because it's different and and i i think that um that that definitely keeps me up at night is just not knowing what's going to happen and the effect um And not just on me, but on the people I care about and and friends and family and in different places, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the on the I'm an optimist, so I'll answer that with an optimistic way as well, which is, you know, I, I don't worry so much about things like recession and economy contracting as it relates to being a business person, a small business person or a startup, because I always like to say that when you run a company like a startup, it's always a recession. You never have access to the capital and credit you want. You, you're always doing things from zero to one. It's always difficult. So, you know, the, the benefit is that since it's always difficult, you don't notice so much that there's a downturn. Uh, you, you, you do, like, you know, it's you, maybe you raise a bit less money, and but there's a lot of advantages, by the way, to starting a company in a downturn. People, Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. there's less less fluff, less BS.
0: I started a most successful company in the yeah. In, in uh, you know, a big downturn. And yeah. Then
1: we just Everything matters more, right? Everything matters back. more for the right reason.
0: You have to pick one word to describe yourself. What would it be and why would you choose it?
1: Well, I, for me, the word would be curious. I am, you can see the books behind me. I, I am <laughs> yeah. running out of. Uh, I, got, I got a
0: backdrop. So there's, sorry, no. Oh. Yeah, lots, it's not a fake. There's lots around the, it is fake, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I wasn't like, this is not fake. Um, the, <laughs> and it's only about half the room, but, you know, both my wife and I are voracious readers. And I think it's, I'm just, if you if you look at not only the volume of books, but what I you know what I read, I love reading uh, history and they call micro history the history of paper and the potato and, you know, this and this and that. And I love reading fiction and science fiction. And I'm just curious about other people's what stories.
0: Are you currently reading. Sorry. What 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 sort of book? Yeah. Are you currently reading, and maybe the other question is what business book have you read recently? Yeah. That you would say, go get it, kind of thing.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, well, the business one's easy because I recently reread um, Venture Deals uh, with by Brad Feld and he's a co-author. I forget his name, mm-hmm. um, and and it's a book about as the name suggests, it's, it's kind of educating people about the terminology and, and, and the mechanics of venture capital fundraising. And what I love about the book is that it's, it's probably more than 10 years old, but Mm -hmm. for me, it's, it's the only book like an entrepreneur ever needs to read to learn about venture capital. So you don't need to read 10 books and hundred blog posts and 10,000 tweets. You read, this is the only book you need to read. It's a classic. Mm -hmm. Um, so I reread that recently. And also, um, I'm reading um, found, the Founders Dilemma by Noam Wasserman, uh, which I had not read before. Um, shame on me! It's, it's, a, it's just an incredible book, right? Talking about all the things that um, founders face when they're starting their company, you know, including like how to how to pick founders, you know. So again, I, I, I'm not finished it yet, but I think it's it's a reference. I, you know, you you literally don't need to read another book. Like if anyone's thinking about starting a company, you should read Founders Dilemma. If you're thinking about fundraising, you read venture deals. And then I hope one day uh, that I can be in there too. If you're reading, if you're about to pitch and you're writing a pitch deck, you read Pitching a Leap of Faith. Um, and I haven't achieved it yet in my own uh, uh, my own um, uh, self-critical kind of um, analysis, but I'm working on it. And then in nonfiction, I'm reading a really great book. I actually forget the title, um, the exact title, but it's it's about anxiety. And it is a really it's kind of a holistic way to look at anxiety from the point of view, not just of, you know, um, obviously like your mental, uh, and and psychological, um, uh, kind of origins of it, but brain chemistry, diet, um, sleep, exercise, environmental factors. So it's something that I'm really interested in. I think it affects a lot of us. And, um, and then I read a great book called paradise about the, uh, horrendous wild wildfires in California in the, in the town of paradise, uh, back in the day. That was, um, uh, it was kind of like it's recent history, but it's yeah. it just terrifying, like terrifying, scary, shocking, um, and, and still happening. So,
0: and I guess I can't leave, I can't leave Shoemaker out, which we've both read. Yes. Bill Foster's one, which is a really interesting story about, uh, the family we yeah. work in, it to, yes, it's a, great, yeah, it's a great story of a family business, and mm-hmm. how someone you know moves through the family business kind of
1: scenario. Yeah, yeah that that family business started in the you know the 18, uh, 1800s, right? Yeah. So, and um, and it, but it's so interesting because um, you know family businesses inherently are just unstable and, and interesting and entertaining for outsiders, probably not so much for insiders, but. You know, having you know, you and I both met Joe, and uh, and through through Al, my wife, and um, it's you know meeting him and seeing you know somebody who's been part of a really a globally iconic brand, and um, it's great. And the book I love because it was not just about you know boardroom backstabbing kind of business, but no, sort of history, history. Right, that's history, what I loved about it.
0: Family story in there. It was kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah. So let's let's conclude because I see I see on my little clock that we're now hitting the, hitting the 20, 25 minute thing. What advice you know would you give to an entrepreneur that's just at that point of starting a business? Mm-hmm. Now, what are the, just just two two gems kind of thing that you would say?
1: Yeah, yeah. The first one is really you know follow your passion, do what you love. Yes, it's a business, but, you know, I always say, is this, whatever you're planning to do, if you're about to start, is this a business you can do for the next decade or multiple decades? And, you know, through all the ups and downs, not just thinking about the IPO and, you know, being a billionaire, but are you going to enjoy the journey? If not, don't, don't do it. There's, you know, many other ways to make money and have fun. But number one is, you know it is going to be a difficult journey so make sure it's something you're passionate about and, and number two it's about people and i think especially at the beginning you know when you're creating a, a founding team or you're hiring initial people or bringing on mentors advisors in a lot of ways you feel weak because you feel like i had nothing to offer these people so i'll just take the anyone who says yes but it's actually the point where you should be the pickiest because mm-hmm. these are the people that are going to set the dna of your business and and you again, it's like a maybe like a marriage, you're going to be married to these people. So, you know, find people that, yes, skills, experience, industry knowledge. But number one is, can you work with them, right, over a long period of time? And usually you get that gut feel or you can check references or you can try to get to know them. But um, I'd say passion and people.
0: Okay. Raymond, thank you very much. There's some great... Great thoughts in 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 the last twenty five minutes. That's that's really good. Um, how can people get a hold of you uh, if they're listening to this and they say I want to talk to this guy about this or about that? How yeah.
1: Can you you? yeah, I'm I'm pretty easy to reach. Probably the easiest way is on LinkedIn actually because I do a lot of uh, posting there. So you just you know Raymond look on LinkedIn. You can connect with me. I will connect with you back. You can message, but you also um, I post a lot of content there. And then for things like Pitch Lab or, you know, I post it all on LinkedIn. So that's the ideal place to reach me.
0: Okay. Raymond, thanks for coming on Canvas Podcast. It's been, uh, been a great session. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.